in this episode of the You Disciple podcast. When we give and when we look for those acts of love, not only does it help us grow in virtue, but it also almost like eradicates that sinfulness in us that we don't face ourselves as a demon, but we actually see ourselves we could be a saint. You Disciple Podcast, where we unpack the ins and outs of Catholic life and explore how you can be a disciple on campus, in your parish, and in the world. So you're listening to the You Disciple Podcast, Sister Mary Helen and John. Thank you for sharing with us your testimony. In the last episode, you finished on the line, when only good can come of it, always do it. That's a big mission. Yeah, it is. And I think that each one of us are called to that big mission because in our world today, as we know, there's so much darkness. I had the honour of meeting my second saint, actually, because I'd met Saint Mother Teresa. Yeah, and I want to come back to that. She, <laughs> <laughs> she's a uh, She's on my um, list. But I also met St. John Paul II. Now, I met him with 20,000 others in St. <laughs> Louis. But I just remember this talk he gave where he went through all the darkness in the world today, the horrendous drug addiction. I did a school in um, Carlo in a holy island, and a 15-year-old girl came up to me the end of my talk and she said I'm on crack cocaine and I'm using prostitution to pay for it where is my innocence gone when I was 12 I didn't know this hell existed and I always remember looking to her eyes and thinking that if someone had spoke to her about God when she was 12 maybe she'd never lived that hell but yeah so there's a lot of drug out there he also said about the scourge of abortion where a mother's womb isn't a place of sanctity anymore. He said about the sexual immorality in our society where we're just using people for our own gratification. But he said there's one thing the darkness cannot put out, and he said that's the light. And then he roared at the top of his voice, and he just said, you are the light of Christ. Burn for Christ and burn brightly and never be afraid. But the darkness can never put out the light. And I think every time we do say yes to that response of the Holy Spirit where it's asking us to maybe reach out to someone, then not only do we become that light, but I think we transform the world. You know, I was saying um, one of my friends, he was in uh, Colombia and he was feeding children on the streets who were starving. And he picked up this little boy who was six years old and he's got kids himself, so he just gave him a hug and he woke up in his arms and he said to him, who looks after you? And the little boy said, God looks after me. And he says, how does God look after you? You know, where's your parents? And he just said, they're dead. And he says, well, how does God look after you? He said, last night before I went to sleep, I was really lonely. I wanted a hug. And I asked God for a hug. And I woke up in your arms. And my friend knew that the only arms God had was his arms. Mm -hmm. And from that, he started a charity, which is named after Our Lady, called Mary's Mills. And they feed two and a half million children every day. But he said yes to that whisper. And I think when we say yes to that whisper, that's when we transform the world. And I know, sister, this is something that you speak to the uni students around about, okay, we the big dreams of goodness and changing the world, but actually do the good that's in front that's of you right. today, the simple good. And John, as you're saying, there's so much darkness and so much ugliness in the world where we can add beauty and goodness in simple ways to start with. I'm thinking of a line from one of 
Father Jacques Philippe's books about Therese and he says she learned that fidelity to grace draws down more grace. I experienced in my own life kind of a game with it, like a game with the Holy Spirit. It's this funny thing where it's almost like you're standing, you know, when you're a little kid and you're standing on the side of a pool and you can't swim, but, you know, your dad's there and he's like, jump. And you, ah, oh, I don't know, it's scared, whatever. And then you jump and it's so exhilarating and you're caught. You're like, again, again, and you want to do that. And sometimes I feel that that's a little bit the way it is responding well, to the Holy Spirit. I also think that you said you wanted to come back to her father, but – Mother, um, St. Mother Teresa, she always had this line about don't just give, but give until it hurts. And, you know, just on this, you know, I've been doing um, parish missions over here. One of the priests said to me in one of the smaller missions, look, you don't need to come on Saturday night because there's not that many at the vigil and, you know, you're doing two masses on the Sunday. So if you want to have a night off on the... And I said, no, it's okay, Father, I'll come. I really felt the Holy Spirit saying to me, well, should I do? And I want you to go. You <laughs> know? You go. So anyhow, so I went to that vigil. And a guy in the vigil, to cut a long story short, he walks into a church for the first time in 52 years and ends up going to confession. Yeah. And if I hadn't have done that talk at that vigil... There is no way he would have been going. And, you know, he's completely transformed his life. Yeah, wow. And I think that that's the give until it hurts, that it's not just giving, but it's giving when it's not convenient, when we don't want to and everything in this is telling us not to. When we say yes then, then the biggest miracles take place. And I could give you 100 stories like that over the last 13 years. It's it's the most inconvenient phone call <laughs> or the one where the priest is just, that little bit extra tired and you almost don't answer or you arrive at the hospital and you're grumbling to yourself about what you're doing <laughs> exactly, and you yeah. walk out going, okay, Lord, I'm I get sorry. it. I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm going to be a little bit more patient and a little bit more because God uses those moments of even when we're not perfect in giving, he uses them for, yeah, well, for I, his good. I'm sure some of your listeners would know Frank Duff, who started the Legion of Mary. And he obviously had a, such a love for the poor and homeless. And he's got two apostolates, the only two apostolates in the world, are both in Dublin. And one is um, Morning Star and the other's Regina Charlie. And one's for um, homeless men and the other's for battered and uh, abused women. A priest friend of mine was going into adoration in Dublin and um, as he's going in, there's a guy begging on the streets and he just ignores him and walks into the adoration. And he feels Jesus say, if you ignore me out there, you're not going to find me in here. <laughs> so, so he comes out and he says, look, do you really want a bed to this guy? And he said, yeah, I do want a bed, Father. And he said, okay, well, I'll take you up to Morning Star. And this is some years ago. So yeah, he takes him up to Morning Star and as he pulls up, um, one of the porters come running out. Thank God you're here, Father. Frank Duff's dying, and we've been trying to get a priest oh. for the last hour to give him the last rites. He gave him the last rites. Wow. And he truly believes that that guy was sent by God as an angel because the guy, he never saw him in the car when yeah. he came out of the giving wow. Frank Duff the last rites, and he wasn't in the wow. Morning Star hostel. That's poetry, though, think, isn't it? Like, yeah, that's and I just amazing. think, again, it's that giving yeah. I also think for us and for young people, there's especially when we're aware of our own sin and sinfulness, we try to combat it by sort of beating it down and controlling it and fighting it. But works of mercy, works of charity build virtue in our life. And the more virtue we have in our life, 
the less space for vice there is. And so I think there is this balance. Um, and I often say to people in the confessional, those great saints marked for chastity are most often marked also for their charity. If we're struggling in areas of love, especially in our own sinfulness, how are we going out each day and generously seeking opportunities to serve the poor, serve our neighbor, be charitable to to our friends, go on mission in the church. Yeah, I remember one time I was in a prayer house in Scotland and it's quite intense because, you know, it's quite tucked away and you're doing three hours of prayer every day, like adoration and the rosary. And you really face with yourself. And a bit like when I was in uh, prison, um, I was very, and I didn't like myself anymore <laughs> when I was in the prison. But one guy rung me up who was a friend and he had, you know, done something really bad and he'd been to confession. He didn't seem to be able to forgive himself. And I remember I spoke to him for about half an hour on the phone and got him really turned around into, you know, really loving God again and being open to God. And I remember as I put down the phone, I didn't have the slightest fault about how sinful and broken I was because God used me to touch him. Yeah. And it just eradicated that low self-worth. Or and I think you're spot on, Father, when we give and when we look for those acts of love, not only does it help us grow in virtue, but it also almost like eradicates that sinfulness in us that we don't face ourselves as a demon, but we actually see ourselves we could be a saint. Yeah, I was very moved by one of your reflections on mission about how when you were found that you were serving this particular person with this particular need, you were also sort of addressing your own wounded self, you know, from before. And I thought that was a very powerful reflection. Yeah, no, when I came back from Mother Teresa, I just um, was really enhanced by feeling that I need to give again, you know. And so I started working with the homeless and I realised through working with the homeless that the person I was really helping was a part of my own wounded heart because I know what it's like not to have a loving heart. And I also used to visit people who were housebound and one lady was Winifred and um, again I, I, I saw that through visiting these people and giving I was actually addressing a wound in me because I was in prison. Mm-hmm. Like they were in prison mm-hmm. and another people we used to help, kids who were dying, we used to take them to Lords. And one little boy was called Stephen. He taught me more about how to love than I think anyone's ever taught me. But when I was holding him in my arms, I think I was holding a part of my heart in my arms because mm-hmm. I know what it's like to be 10 and have no one love you. And I do think God, when he says it's through giving that we receive, when he wants to set us free, when he wants to heal us, it's through giving that we receive that, not through self-searching or wanting to... Obviously, there's grace works on nature, so it's good to look for healing. But the more we give, the more I've received healing. I also think it's the evil one, the tempter, who tells us, oh, well, you're not worthy or, well... Who are you to be speaking? So you speak publicly about your history, about your conversion. Do you ever face that doubt um, that sometimes creeps in? I think only when, you know, thank God for confession, Father, because (laughs) if it wasn't for that, I, I made a promise with God many years ago. I couldn't really forgive myself for all the terrible things I'd done as a gangster. And this man just walked up to me out of the blue and he just said to me, you think you're God? And I said, no, no, I don't think I'm God. He said, yes, you do. You think you're God. I said, no, I don't. He said, you do, because why do you judge yourself? God's the judge, and he's much more merciful to you than you are to you. 
And it just completely, I got it. Do you know what I mean? And that moment was the moment, probably two years after my conversion, so 28 years ago, I really got that God, you know, I didn't have to do anything to earn God's forgiveness. It was a free gift. And I swore to God there and then, I would never judge myself again. And I didn't care what I did. I didn't know how bad it was or how many times I fell down. I'd just get straight back up, say I'm sorry, go a confession and leave anything else to him. And I've stuck to that, you know. But I must say, thank God for confession. (laughs) Well, the sacrament that there's no limit on. Absolutely. And he he knew. He knew human nature. Again, I say to people in the confessional, like he lived with the apostles for three years. Like (laughs) he knew that they needed it. And that they were going to need it and they're going to need it again and again and again. And I just think that that whole thing of, um, you know, when we're cleansed and set free and everything that goes with confession, because it's not just about getting rid of our sins, but as we know, it's, it, it almost like infuses us with a joy. It infuses us with a, a love for life again. And, you know, like you can go in feeling almost depressed and coming out feeling like you've, you know, <laughs> the world is alive again and you're alive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, what you were saying about that line that the priest said to you, Father, I remember one priest said to me in confession, um, when you walk out of here, you are completely innocent, exactly the same as the day you was baptised. And, you know, everything is alive, everything is new. Mm-hmm. And it's just such a beautiful image that, you know, the whole world is something different because you haven't got sin in you because you've just left it at the foot of the cross. And don't give in to the doubt or the temptation to go, well, I'll be back here. Seven minutes, seven hours, seven days, whatever it is, you you go in that moment renewed. I always remember the toughest prison I've ever been in is a prison in the Bronx called Spofford. And one of my friends who's a rector, well, he was a rector of a seminary, and then he joined the Franciscans of Renault. And he um, now is, well, he actually was in charge of them. But he went in this prison with a brother, Brother Thomas, and he was asked to say mass in this prison. And one of the Mystery of Charity sisters was giving a talk to these 40-odd boys. And and she was just saying to these 40-odd boys, these are tough kids, how many of you believe in God? And not one hand went up. Mm. And, And then she said, how many of you believe in the devil? Every single hand went up. Mm -hmm. And she said, yeah, you believe in the devil. You believe in his lies, that you can never be forgiven for the terrible things you've done to get in here. You can never be forgiven. And she went on to say, you you know, you believe his lies, you're worthless, that you can't be loved, that you're utterly contemptible. And she went on and on and on. And she said, but you don't believe the father of truth, the father who sent his son to die for you, the father who sent his son to give everything he has so you might be set free and that he wants to reach into your pain and set you free. And she went on for like this for an hour and everything was delayed and everything. <laughs> Anyhow, so my friend um, is walking out with Brother Thomas. and Brother Thomas said to Father Marius, Father Marius, I really needed to hear what that nun said. Yeah, <laughs> and okay. Father Marius turned around and he said, so did I, Brother. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think we all can listen to the lies, do you know yeah. what I mean? Well, so- John... Thank you for being with us over these last couple of episodes. Hopefully someone listening to these has really needed to hear what you've said and what the Lord has to say through you. God bless you for your ongoing ministry and for sharing the story of God's grace in your life. My pleasure. Thank you. God bless. 
Whether you've been listening to us on the tram, in the library, or on your way to work, thanks for listening to the You Disciple podcast. Share, like, and subscribe, and we hope to see you around Melbourne. The You Disciple podcast is a production of the Catholic Archdiocese of Melbourne.